Say my name. He's done his naughtiest thing now. I'd be really interested what Kelly's naughtiest thing is, but he's done his, which was to find a printer cartridge for the print, like a yellow one. Wow. Eat it a little bit on one carpet, which is now just new carpet time. Like there's nothing that could be done. It's absolutely <laughs> it's horrendous. And then, uh, and then take it to the lounge and, and eat it on another rug before. <laughs> That's impressive. I guess that's like kind of extra naughtiness accidentally because he didn't know that he was going to destroy two carpets. So it's like eating something with elevated position. Like when you eat like a bit of food you find, but that's like oh, a special pie for Mrs. Miggins' visit. And so it's like, uh, so it's it's bad luck for sure. I tell you the extra um, bit of that. The, the epilogue is then, of course. He has quite a lovely white mane, like a lion, because he's so fluffy, because he, which was just bright yellow for about four wow. days. And it was just like, it was a faulty Manuel in the Houston Barcelona, you know, it was just everyone <laughs> I met on a walk. I was just like, he's, you know, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> uh, amazing. Uh, I hope you have photos of this uh, yellow streak. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I don't know what the naughtiest thing this book's done. I mean, not, yeah, about the same stuff, like eating things you shouldn't have eaten, I suppose. When he was little, you couldn't... Like, I still, my phone charger wire, it still has tiny little bite marks because he would just chew through anything. So you couldn't leave phone chargers at, like, you know, ankle height because he would eat it. But again, that was like proper early stuff, so it doesn't really count. He knows that he, you know, he still really likes tissue. So if he finds like any sort of tissue or paper towel or something, he'll do it. When it's windy, for example, the toilet paper in the bathroom blew off, you know, the, the little shelf. And he wouldn't, even though it was head height, um, he, he would leave it. But because it went on the floor, it was like, you know, well, okay. you know, it's out of my hands. <laughs> you know, what am I going to do? And so he ate that. And you know, like confetti everywhere. So, but again, so that's really the naughtiest thing. He's generally, he, he's all right. Generally, I think you definitely sounds so bloody good, Sheffy. Like Cosmo always chooses chaos and naughtiness if he can, like, and it's down to the it's down to the owners, obviously. But like, <laughs> I give you just a quick example to counter, which absolutely will give you the difference. Is you go to the bathroom and mm. you leave the door, and he'll be sitting out there waiting for you. And then if you just, for a moment, whatever reason, even if you forget to close the door or whatever for a second, and it's just still ajar, he'll do something cute or something to distract you in the hope that you'll leave the <laughs> jar so he can go in and take it off from the, uh, the little <laughs> rather than any fair game on the, the <laughs> And then have a field day. <laughs> and not even just a happy field day, which is all cute and bouncy and long, long, long lashes. And sort of <laughs> we're talking about a mutilation. <laughs> yeah, no, no, fair enough. It's like, yeah, dead feathers and chicken blood everywhere. So, yeah, I get it. 
Yeah, I could see a dark conclusion coming to that story. That like, <laughs> we we bought him a little brother. Now he's a he's an only, he's an only child again. <laughs> actually distill everything down it is just about wanting to play just about yeah. wanting to play you know that's yeah it. there are nights we're watching telly and he'll come over and he'll be like being a bit annoying he's like in his yeah. like you know just Wah! and then like jump back and, like, <laughs> and then like oh. and i'll just be like what's he doing i'm exhausted you know and she'll be like cats in the cradle you weren't here mm -hmm. <laughs> he, just wants, he just wants his daddy <laughs> like, oh, <God." laughs> so, yeah yeah and that's it it just comes down to that he just wants to play all the time that's it like you know why don't you want to play what else is there to do like, you know, yeah. it's to like the 13 year old us being told by us now like we don't always go to the doors like every chance we get <laughs> that's what are you talking about <laughs> what are you I know. Wonderful. Well, <clears throat> what shows are we talking about, Jimmy? Well, <clears throat> on today's uh, bubble episode of Shoulders of Giants, ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, we, we thought it might be a nice idea to have a little cheeky debrief on the recently finished Better Call Saul and his predecessor, Breaking Bad. Yes. I mean, what a classic, double classic. Gilligan, man, he, he did a double whammy and very impressive to have stuck that whole landing. So yeah. good for him. What a, what a dude. So this is going to be a spoiler-filled chat of both shows then, basically, perhaps obviously. Yes. But yeah, we'll, we'll talk about all the... Well, not all. I mean, we'll just I mean my recollection, honestly, is is actually already, like, I've seen Billical Soul all the way through once. I've just recently finished the last episode. But, you know, yeah, I, I watched the first season whenever it was first on, which I guess was, like, what, five years ago? Yeah. Something like, yeah, uh, maybe six. So it, so I actually, I, I, you know, I really, for this pod, should rewatch the way. It can't, I'm, I can't go that deep because I've already forgotten most of it. But I will say about Medical Soul, which is so genius, is it is the rise, the birth of Saul Goodman and how Jimmy McGill became Saul Goodman. And it's also how Gus Fring really got his hooks in and became the proper tricky man. So it's also Gus Fring begins, it's Saul Goodman begins, and it's also Mike begins yeah. and how he became the one. And that was the real genius, the fact that you could have a whole episode where it's really, really, really Mike-centric and, you know, all of that and all the and all the plot involving Salamancas and all of that. Um, and then you've got like a little, it kind of cuts back to Jimmy and um, and Thingy like brushing their teeth and you're like, oh yeah, I forgot they're in this show as well. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. so that was one, that was the other genius thing. It's like, yeah, it was actually a show about a lot of different very yeah, yeah. What, agreed, Sheppy. I, I I don't even um I don't there's 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 all that chat around this better call Saul better than Breaking Bad and I 
I don't see them as separate. I see them now as all yeah. part of one and the same, particularly with those last couple of episodes of Soul, because they really threaded it yes. back in neatly. Yes. And um and yeah, so I, I just sort of I don't really care about that. They're both just awesome. They're different beasts in their pacing and and how they went about it. I I at gunpoint would say maybe Saul has the edge. I don't know. Like mm. I've got to I've got to let this munge a little bit because I've just done as as of course all took its mid season break. We started Breaking Bad again just to kind of fill the gap and not think about what how much we were excited about it coming yeah. back to them. And we just finished Breaking Bad last night half the press and um, and I it's a good ending of Breaking Bad. But I definitely don't have the same level of satisfaction as I did at the end of Better Call Saul. Of course, I knew what was going to happen, but I just I can't help but feel I was so surprised when we restarted Breaking about how much it moves at a clip at the beginning, and like it's just extraordinary. It's just an amazing piece of TV, and it really is. And it's got iconic things that happen throughout it, you know. And then the ending, I don't know, like Walter really gets redeemed and i don't know if he deserves it do you know what i mean uh, or at least does he get redeemed well he gets to save jesse in on his terms and he gets to leave his kids his even though his, his wife and kid hate him he gets he goes to the i've forgotten he goes to the rich friends who stole yeah, the company off him the, and gives them the money and pretend for sniper is out of yeah. he he succeeds in his mission his original mission statement of providing for his family after his death he succeeds yeah. um <clears throat> he gets some form of redemption by coming out from his little hell which was a hell so him leaving it behind doesn't really count for much but you know paying robert foster loads of money to play chess with him and so on it's like, well, okay, leaving that isn't like, oh, I found paradise. But yeah, he does save Jesse and, and all that. But even with all of that and him essentially giving up his life, it's not really a sacrifice. I think he would have committed suicide sooner rather than later anyway. Yeah. So in terms of him doing the right thing and helping people and succeeding in, in his original mission statement, that's good. But as a character, as a person, I don't think he's redeemed. I don't think, and again, I say this in that I haven't seen the end of Breaking Bad for like 10 years. So it's been a while for me. So um, you would know far better than I. But in my recollection, I would say he doesn't redeem himself. He, he still dies a villain. It's not unsatisfying as an ending, Sheppy, for sure. And uh, uh, yeah, and... I read something else once, and I haven't. This is like years and years ago when it first came out, and I suppose the read could be there, but there was a whole fan theory out there that Walter never finds the key to the car when he's in that hell, and you know when he's he sort of hides in the car covered by snow while the police arrive, and then tries to hotwire it, and then finds the key out of the um, the visor, and then it basically this idea that. He never actually leaves the car and the rest of the app is just his, you know, wish fulfillment dream of like, okay. you know, him coming back. And interestingly, the edit of it, you know, there's that moment and it feels a bit so lucky that the keys flip. And then it does sort of feel very dreamy. Everything it's like Brazil. Perfect. It's perfect. His whole plan, everything right. suddenly 
is so perfect. I think that I think that option is open until they make the Jesse movie. What was it yeah. called? El Camino or something. Uh, Camino. Yes, absolutely. So then, they, then that, okay, that was the end. Okay. Just in terms of El Camino, uh, I think that was well, first of all that was great, but second of all, I'm glad that it basically shows, unless that's part of the dream as well, that yes, it's not just in his mind and so on. And then, and again, it can't really be because he would know what the whole place would look like, you know, the fact that he goes and you know, does the gun and yeah. we've seen the place. If it was like a weird, different place with, you know, golden child horses walking around, then that would be even more difficult. But yeah, it's a lovely theory, but I don't think he'd ever really hold water in terms of video. Yeah. But I like it. Um, I've said it before, just in terms of. So I I watched Breaking Bad originally, and I finished it. I I, I think it was when I was in America. I watched the last bit, so that would have been two thousand fourteen, so eight years ago, um, which is lovely. But I hadn't seen it since. And like you, in the mid season gap and the final season of Better Call Saul, I mainly because so I I did I wouldn't Jones after watching the last ever episode of Medical Soul, you know, and just be missing it too much. So I did decide a while ago that we start Breaking Bad. And then when I decided to do that and I started doing like you watching season one before the final push of Medical Soul, watching it from that perspective and again watching season one of Breaking Bad for the first time in such a long time, a good solid 10 years. Um, and seeing it all from that angle, knowing where it was all going, was very, very satisfying and, and pleasant. And then again, my plan was to match it up. So the last episode of Better Call Soul would happen. And just when I had, was ready to watch season two, episode eight, Breaking Bad, the first episode of Soul, obviously that's not the case because then you have the Breaking Bad episode. So I was being really, really scientific and anal about it. So it would match up. So... I was watching the final push of Medical Soul, but I was still also into season two of Breaking Bad and I was doing it in you know, like two of these and then one of those and then two of those and then one of these. But then I started watching the Breaking Bad, literally the episode is called Breaking Bad of Medical Soul. And I'd watched the first 30 seconds and it's in the back of the van, you know, the, the RV. And I was like, ah, okay. So I stopped it just after basically watching the pre-cred of that episode. And then I had to do a mad, like six episodes, seven episodes of Breaking Bad to bring it up to speed. <laughs> so um, I had to do a mad scramble after being so exact in measuring it out before, but that all worked. And then that experience of watching it and it got to the point where I literally, I had Soul in Soul's office talking to, I guess it was Mike. And for, for like about five seconds, I was consciously aware of, Am I watching Breaking Bad or am I watching Better Call Saul? I couldn't remember for a second because I was so blurred, blurred nice. into watching it. And that was very satisfying. Yeah. And then the episode of Soul and Mike is telling him, leave it alone, leave Waterlight alone, don't go back to it, don't go back to him. And then you have a slow push in Soul's face. You're like, well, obviously he is. And then it goes back into the episode of Breaking Bad where he invites school at the end of first episode of Breaking Bad and he speaks to him and walk into the school and that was immensely satisfying to do to do those episodes in that order. You nailed that Jeffrey that was brilliant. <laughs> yeah. yeah it really I mean, was lovely. The RV was the one 
sole cameo that at the time I I felt jarred quite a bit because Jesse the the age difference of Jesse was so much more pronounced in that scene and uh, but um but then you know we and we really are jumping around here which is great you know because then just when he's then in court and he's talking about when I met them and you know yeah. I was intimidated and all this sort of stuff but actually when you watch it of course and crossing them around and telling them what all the equipment's rubbish and like so actually it's perfect you know it's a really lovely choice yeah. you know, at the time it felt superfluous and why do we need to revisit and but just don't second guess them these showrunners are geniuses man they know exactly no I yeah yeah, certainly just the idea of seeing it's like when Worf turns up in an episode of Deep Space Nine or something that just in itself it's just nice to see it's like oh you know like having like uh, the Marvel things and just having someone pop up not serving the story particularly but you're like oh my god I know them they're that person from that other Marvel thing so just having that in itself but the fact that it does on top of that obviously tie in perfectly because these people know what they're doing uh, it's lovely so yes, 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 a thousand times yes. And also, yeah, once Sol realises that they're not the Salamancas, then he's instantly in charge and he, get, he basically hires himself out to them. Like whilst he's still standing over the hole, the grave in the desert, and he's still, you know, and yeah, so th that's all great. In terms of the ending of Breaking Bad, I remember it being satisfying. I remember it never beating the, the climax of season four of Breaking Bad with Ring dying. And, it could, and I've said it before, it could, be, it could have ended at the end of yeah, season absolutely. four exactly as it was. And Hank, you know, finding, you know, reading the book and, and putting it together and all of that could have been the end of the entire show. And I'm glad they, obviously, I'm glad they did a season five. That was always the plan and the ending, like you said, and we talked about. But and having the the nasty Nazi fascist people being the main villain. But after after freeing, it it's like yeah, where do you go after that? So it's nothing against the end of season five or the final season or anything. It's a very I remember loving the ending of the show, but I think the peak. Well, climax, as it were, was yeah, the ding ding. I completely ding, agree. Ring. That's all the iconic stuff in a bubble. Yeah huge excitement isn't it and like yeah it's brilliant yeah. brilliant 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 and even just the uh, way it, go on Sheppy. yeah yeah even well just the way it all matches up yeah. for me was very satisfying you know all of that i just yeah i i i think it is an extraordinary piece of work right and then but then I, i'm going to say this I, I i feel like better call soul if you take and i do take and I, i'm gonna i'll argue to the death you know that the whole of that last season because they probably filmed it out single bless him obviously um Bob Odenkirk had a heart attack oh, yes. it, but yes. you know that that season starting with Nacho on the run lest we yeah. have an incredible shootout sequence through everything the sting operation of Howard everything into and up to him becoming Saul and the whole heartbreak of breakup with Kim into him being Gene a couple of Gene operations yeah. then back to the sort of really moving finale like that's probably the best season of TV I've ever seen. I'm not telling you Better Call Saul is my favourite show, but yeah. I'm to you, it is the best season of TV I've ever seen crafted. It is so well put together. Like, this, it's actually pretty flawless, I've got to be honest. Yeah. Um, well, with that in mind, yes, I agree. And what, so talking about that for a second, getting deep into the ending of Better Call Saul, I fell for it. What Peter Gould and... 
and Gilligan did in that I absolutely was like, oh, he's gone over the edge when he was beyond self-destructive and he went to the cancer man's house and he went back in oh. and all of that. And it gets worse and worse and then he can still make it and he goes upstairs and then it all goes wrong and the stupid taxi driver being an idiot and the police all of that and he's gonna smack the guy with the urn and all of this stuff as well it's like oh man um and then he gets caught after hiding in the dumpster all of that but then it's when he's on the plane and he's made the amazing deal with the feds and pure soul and just got out of this impossible situation and then he says I've got more information about Kim and all of this and like it's unspoken and I honestly was like oh he's he's gone irredeemable now he's like he's like when he almost strangled um, the lady you know you you feel he's gonna totally kill her and stuff um we're on the plane with the agent and speaking to the lawyer and him I was like he's gone to villain at the end now and then I fell for it because then he pulls it back and he hadn't, he'd gone the other way and redeemed. He, uh, yeah, he, he got some sort of redemption in that at least. He's paying for it, but not as badly as like with his own death, for example. Um, his life, you could say, was ruined a million times over since we've known Jimmy. Um, what happens, you know, he's, he's in a good place in prison. Good place meaning he's making his bread. People fucking really, you know, he's not getting fucked in any sense. Like everyone, like oh, so he's a bit of a whispered superhero, and so he's a bit of a legend. So it's not necessarily the end, and that's not necessarily a good thing. In that, just for him personally, like he's gonna continue, and he's gonna continue to be a, a, a cunt often. But he's, you know, but he's gonna just move on and probably be in prison for the rest of his life. It's safe to say, but he seems to be, you know, as much as you can be, all right with that. And it, it was a very nice twist. The moment where he what well, he started on his spiel like you say like and i first met them i was terrified and da, da, da. and then he and he's sticking with the script until he doesn't and then he, he goes off and he's like, i just wanted kim to be here whilst i said all this um and as like, oh that's that's genius and when that sort of penny dropped that sort of slow burn twist where it's not a da, da, da moment but you slowly realize uh, and that was very satisfying very nice and also because Kim had been given this amazing scene she's living such this safe bland life and then she breaks down on the on the bus and there's that amazing acting oh, like she just yeah. slowly breaks down um so that was amazing so she got to have that moment anyway but then you're really on her side and then you're like oh no Jimmy don't do anything horrible to him and he doesn't he goes around. so that was a very emotionally satisfying Roller coaster of emotion uh, at the end there. Yeah, it was wonderful, wasn't it? It was so perfectly done, man. I completely agree. And even just uh, so many touches. That's the finale. We're going to rewatch the finale tonight, actually, just as the coda, the final full stop and the whole thing. And um, but just I remember even just seeing uh, Marie, Hank's wife, as he walks past her. And you're like, oh god, it's a, it's probably the most powerful echo from Breaking Bad. That moment, and she's in black, not purple, you know, whatever. Not this black and white, you know, that you know. But it's just, but she just, it's really like, um, I don't know. I just found that deeply affecting. All of that, and she was really good, and yeah, man, I couldn't sum up how they did that so beautifully, better than you have done there, Shippy. I, I think, um, I, I will say as well though, that whole thing with the, 
um, when he's about to strangle the old lady, like you're saying, yes. and just before he gets caught. So I uh, I hear you. Like he nearly got to Tony Soprano. And yeah. what was really amazing for me is like never really on Walt's side and definitely wasn't on second watch. He's a real asshole, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And um and then Tony as well, never really on his side either, but just love the performances of both men. Just love watching them play that character. They're very charismatic yeah. and like, but Soul basically had been rooting for him the whole time. And I got such a shiver when he pulled that out and about to strangle. I was like, Jesus, like that's such a good rug pull. I've been rooting for this guy. And he is a fucking wrong one. He is a wrong one, really. I mean, I know he doesn't. He really is. But he just, and he's he's a real. When you rewatch Breaking Bad, the two takeaways for Saul were just he's actually not in it as much as you remember. He's in it, mm. but he's not in it as much as you remember. But when he is, he is a villain. He is constantly mm. suggesting, you know, we have we got a, a little yellow, old yellow situation here. You know, do we need to dispose of Jesse? Sort of thing. Like, yeah. You know, yeah, like he is. Yeah, he's setting up ships in prisons and things yes he yeah. he is a villain and he is morally reprehensible and terrible and he does need to pay but he's not going around like you know it, it's because he's keeping his hands clean. and obviously he's likable and charismatic and cheeky and scrappy and always on the back foot and he just scrapes his way out of situations and he's always kind of out of his league and that he uses what he is good at to balance so he's got all these very endearing traits but he is a, a, a total villain in that, yeah, he, we see him saying to Walter, like, let's old yellow Jesse and ship him in prison and <laughs> shit. Or, or at least he wants to ship Badger, I guess, in prison, but for Jesse, like, yeah, we could totally kill Jesse. Um, so he, he's done that before. We just haven't seen it. So he's been indirectly or, you know, he's, he's been directly involved in murders uh, at the very least so yeah it's just that he's not water he doesn't you know he doesn't treat people around him necessarily you know like people who he genuinely likes for example water treats skylar whether you know however you like it but you know he is lying to her and so on whereas jimmy kim is like this genuine i would die for you situation yeah. whereas Walter he's dying anyway but I don't think he would ever have like laid down you know to save his wife Jimmy Perhaps. gets that moment doesn't he he tells he she goes to kill Gus doesn't she in that moment yes. when with Lalo and that's amazing yes I, I wanted to yes. just say on there on his charisma <laughs> factor so good with the line I love it and I'd forgotten it and so when it happened again in Breaking Bad and just roared with laughter Sheffy but that whole moment where he goes <laughs> I once convinced a woman that I was Kevin Costner. And you know why she looked at me? Because I believed it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. I saw that episode just maybe even today. Um, yeah. Yeah. Astonishing. Um, yes. He's brilliant. One thing I will, I will say about the gene of it all, I don't know if we, there are clues all the way through Medical Soul about where it is in the chronology. You're never 100% of the year, I don't think, ever. But then but you're given clues and you can work it out. Someone says something at one point, someone says something a little bit later, and you put those two bits together, you're like, oh, it must be whatever the year is. And then obviously the flip phones and all of that. Um, but with Gene, 
right from episode one of Better Call Saul, when you're first introduced to that life, I thought he had been living that life working in Cinnabon for at least five years. Like I yeah. thought he was you know, deep, maybe even 10 years after the events of Breaking Bad and he was worn down. But he's been there for like a month, I would say, at the very beginning of Better Call Saul. It's really, he's just arrived because he says two years ago, right at the end, two years ago, I met these people. So you're like, well, assuming therefore that it's like a, a solid year of their lives from when he meets Jesse and Walt to the end of Breaking Bad, if that's one year, then it's only maximum of a year when he's gene, but it's probably much less. That was the biggest surprise to me. I thought it was a huge, like he had just like, you know, when he was hiding in the in the bins and he didn't want to like alert security, and you know, right when he's that scared at the beginning. I thought it had been years and years and years, but apparently it's probably been like he had just arrived the day before, you know, <laughs> something like that. And honestly, I would have rather, I'm not going to second guess Gilligan, but I, I would have rather that, you know, it had been a few years because it's a very, very short amount of time. Actually. I agree. It takes away from some of the Kim and Jimmy pathos a little, like, you know, yeah. they actually, it, it, it is a bit too truncated. I completely agree with that. I, I don't like, it's not quite my reason, which, like you say, who am I to, to undermine what they have planned? Yeah. I just, it does feel a little... Yeah, there is a time jump in terms on, of Kim, in terms of Kim leaving him and then him being pure Sol Goodman. And he can help himself to the breakfast bar, and it's literally like a, a bar. It's genius. Um, that that's a time jump. That's a bigger time jump within Better Call Soul than anything else, I would say. It's like again, I don't know how long, but it's a while. In fact, I think he even says it's been like six years since he's seen Kim or something. Been, yeah. So that's been a, lo a long chunk, like post Kim, pre Walter. It's like, I think six years. A long time being Soul Goodman, which makes sense yeah. for the Soul character, yeah. actually. You're right. Yeah. Um, which again, that works for me, but I, I do wish it was a bit longer between him you know, being Gene before becoming Soul again. Jimmy, you said something about something not matching up. Um, what was that? Yeah, well, I was just going to say to you, like, was we watched the Granite State penultimate ep last night of Breaking Bad, and they referenced that with Saul and Walter with the time travel thing um, in the last episode of Saul, when they, they have their little chat, when they're both being, um, you know, looked after by Robert Wagner. Um, uh, the, uh, Robert Foster. Robert Foster, sorry, yeah, in the... Um, you know, in the in the you have the flashback to them when they're sort of like in hiding together, and you have yeah. If you watch Granite State, it does a it doesn't feel like they're together overnight in that scene, um, but but he does say he'll be there, you know, maybe a couple of days, so that's fair. But certainly, Robert says that, um, but certainly the two of them, the way they're talking to one another, I don't think there's the breathing space for what what happens in soul at all like that, oh, to, the, yeah. to the point where we see soul get extricated and they're still very antagonistic to one another in that scene right. just before so it doesn't really matter but it's just a small point like the energy is not there for that conversation i'll be honest but i don't really care i'm, I'm happy that it happened and i'll be honest they had such a weird connection anyway white and got goodman where i think actually at its base as well Walter White had a bit of respect for Saul Goodman, un, unarticulated, but that 
he was able to wheel and deal and get him out of so much, you know what I mean? And, and could be used, if you know, but, um, but yeah, so it, it just, it just was a tiny bit jarring having seen it so soon. Um, right. And I think you'll know what I mean when, when you get there too, like it just right. it feels really like, okay, I get it. But, but I, yeah. In terms of that, um, I, I totally will agree with you, Justin. Yeah, I'm sure you're right. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm halfway through. No, I'm just about to finish. I've got one episode left of season three, then I'm four and five. And I'm in, in general, I break and badly watch. So it's all gearing up in that respect. And also, by the way, from that respect, seeing then, you know, for, in Breaking Bad in season three, when you meet Gus Fring for the first time, that's amazing. Having just gone on that adventure with him in Medical Soul. And then when Walter is taken to the lab in the laundry room underneath, um, and you've seen all of that, you know, being built and constructed, and you know that down there is buried um, both those people. It's like, oh my God, they're right there under the floor. That's that. So that's amazing. Um, I generally speaking, other than obviously people looking older and that not matching, and you just give it that. But obviously, you're like, yeah, fair enough. And like you mentioned, Aaron Paul is the biggest thing. But even just Gus looks really young um, in season three of Breaking Bad. He looks so young. Um, yeah, the phone was in the limousine was broken. What are you ignorant? So I know that's not literally him, but still. Um, so that's nice. It does match up very well with me generally. When um, the other, I think he's another Salamanca, and he's part of the family, and in Breaking Bad, the hit squad come and machine gun him whilst he's on the phone. He's saying, he's on the phone to Gus, and he's like, I think you're behind the twins being killed by Hank, and da-da-da, and I think you're doing this. And then Gus hears him get <laughs> shot to death by the hit squad, and he's like, ha-ha-ha, and he's... But that guy dying, he had been in like one or two episodes of Breaking Bad in small roles, but he was a much larger presence in Better Call Saul. So having him die when you're watching it in that chronological yeah. order, as it were, is like, oh my God, that's huge. So <laughs> I would say to anyone, if you've never seen, I mean, not people listening to this, because if you've never seen any of them and you're listening to it, that's, that's a strange use of time. But I will say, if I met someone who had never seen Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul, I would absolutely get them to watch Better Call Saul first and then do it as we did it, basically, yeah. knowing now to, to, to match it up then it gets more precise towards the end. But do it so you watch like the first you know, three seasons or whatever of Better Call Saul and then you start Breaking Bad just at the right time so it bleeds in. Um, that would be, because when you do have moments like that guy dying, you know, it's like, oh, it's really much more effective. Um, so little things like that in the Gus Fring and Mike universe of it all, that's very satisfying to see. I like that. I, I, I find Mike's relationship with Gus really interesting as well, like, and how they reveal it in Breaking Bad. Because if you were to watch Breaking Bad, they're not really close at the start, are they? You don't really know that he's Gus's guy. And then, um, and of course, he is his absolute number two, although they have a fractious relationship still with Better Call Saul as well. And Gus always goes off and does his own gut thing anyway. But um, but yeah, I just I, I just find them just a fascinating little double act. I could watch a whole bloody... I could watch yeah. more spin-off adventures with those two. Um, Mike and Gus and Walter are all, in some ways, very, very similar in terms of they're all meticulous thinkers. They're all very intelligent, very precise, very analytical. They see everything like chess moves and they can step back and 
you know, they're all very, very good. And they're also, in, you know, perfectionists in their, you know, they will do the job to the best of their ability. And they're all very, very competent at that. Um, and so I like those three. And you could say Sol, but Sol's like a, a wild card. He's, he's got his own thing going on. But in terms of the analytical, cold, detached, you know, um, way of thinking, those three are definitely of the same ilk, which is interesting. Um, and I like they, it. They have a lovely dynamic, particularly when Gus is out of the picture and it becomes Walter and Mike. And although they hate each other, um, it, the, the dynamic is really look the grown ups are talking here, and Jesse's there, but then Jesse always comes up with the plan. If you know what I mean, that's quite cute. Um, that's nice. Um, <laughs> I wanted to say two other things as well, Sheppy, from the Breaking Bad second lap, which is one, I just watched The King of Staten Island, so I was mm. really surprised to see Bill Burr in there as a like mm. kind of a. I mean, Saul's go-to guy, you know, uh, as well as Huel. And, and he could have had a little bit more to do, maybe, in Better Call Saul, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, he's got a big part. He's in lots of it, you know. Um, not least that stunning scene where Ted trips over his own mat and, like, <laughs> his head. Um, and then just kind of building on Ted, like, just Anna Gunn's character, so Skylar, she comes in for a lot of shit from, I don't know, the Reddits or whatever, but... I'll be honest, man. I think her performance is pretty bloody awesome, and I think actually, I don't think they're having a go at her performance, though. They the kind of the part, the, the sort of the vibe on it, Sheppy, is that you know she should have been on Walt's side more or whatever. I think they get the balance just right. Yeah, you know, like, I feel like, but I, I think it's the character they don't like, not the performance. Yeah, I don't think they have yeah, a yeah. gun. She's great, though. She's absolutely excellent, isn't she? And really like. I'm surprised, or I don't know whether this is the right thing to say, but she's she should be more at Laura Linney levels of like getting great gigs still, like, you know, all these years on, you know. Um, and I was trying to sort of think about the um, the relationship with her and her sister as well. I wondered whether we get Skylar in the last episode of Better Call Saul as well, to be honest. And I, I'm glad they didn't do it. I think her absence speaks volumes for where she's at with her sister and where you know, where she's at in society and she's obviously a pariah and, and like, you know, her. So I, I guess it's like, I just thought it was quite haunting that she's not in it, if you know what I mean. And mm. I think it's referenced in Soul that she's she's done a deal or something, hasn't she? And like, there's something that she's done as well, I can't remember, but yeah. Nice. In interesting. Yeah. 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 She, she's great. In terms of the character re-watching um, Breaking Bad, Walter is very unlikable. We're um, making it, you know, deliberately, obviously, very unlikable choices and treating Jesse so badly at moments where he should be nice and so selfish and self-destructive and all of that. Um, but you are still, you know, wanting him to make his mess and succeed, you know. <laughs> um, <laughs> whereas Skylar, the second time I watched it, I was aware people didn't like the character. Um, and we watched, the first time I watched it, I don't think I ever had a problem with the character, which is actually really surreal and bizarre for re-watching it. Yeah, she is stopping our hero from doing what we want to see him do. And she is playing it perfectly and written perfectly, you know, and it's not her fault. She makes mistakes and she fucks Ted and all of that. But, you know, uh, in the grand scheme of things, she's not up there with the great big mistake makers of these shows. So... <laughs> She is, you know, but she is very unlikable and she does. And even when 
you know, in, in, in the first season, which is such a slow burn in terms of him going back to cooking and getting into that, which is so brilliant. But when she's like talking to Walt then, and it's just about he's got cancer, but she's being selfish and it's all yeah. about what she needs. And I think that's very human and you know, what happens in these cases a lot of the time. But it is like they want to do stuff like her and the son want to do things to make them feel better, not him feel better. And yeah. so that was, you know, she was very unlikable for me in that respect there. Um, and then the more, you know, where's the second cell phone and all of that? It's like, yeah. I'll just let him go off and cook his mess. But again, that's what the character's for. It's not, you know, it's not her fault. You know, and she's played so well. So, yeah. yes. And it is yes, what you yeah. do in that situation, isn't it? I think the bit that, because when we first started Second Watch as well, and I guess at the beginning when she's doing the basic stuff, there is no cancer. She's just being the, he's the put upon husband. So she's obviously yeah. the putting upon her wife. And, you know, she does that too well it's really like oh, yeah, right. well, I'm totally it's for simon peg in world's end maneuver <laughs> it's playing human foibles too accurately yeah yeah, yeah. Um, good old anagun uh, absolutely anna get your gun um yeah. and i i i think i first saw her i know i was proud of that she i think the first time i saw her was in deadwood i think um, oh really she that is was, that yes. oh, play. that's good um yeah, it's in Seinfeld as well, isn't she? I think. Oh well, everyone's in Seinfeld. It's like quantum leap. Everyone's in it. It's <laughs> Walter, up by the way, maybe that's where they. Yeah, know. of course. Yeah, Tim, <laughs> Tim Watley. Yeah, it's my people's Sabbath, Jerry. Yeah, people's Sabbath. Yeah, genius. Um, good old Tim Watley. Um, having sex on top of Jerry whilst he's knocked out. Um, so that's nice. Yes. Well, Cranston, we can talk about that. He was in Airwolf, for God's sake. Um, he Thank met you. his covered. He met his wife, who he's still married to, um, on Airwolf. So yeah, good for him. Um, and many other things, Power Rangers as well. He was in the early 90s. Oh my Cranston. God. And then he popped up in the relatively recent Power Rangers film, uh, which is nice. It's like Kylie being in the last episode of Neighbours. Didn't need to do it, but did it. It's like, I was in this when I was a kid, so now I'm going to do this now. I mean, Cranston was never a kid, but there you go. Uh, I like that. I like that. So yeah, great career. Him. I think he's amazing. I think he's Malcolm in the middle, of course, there. is what yeah. a lot of people first came to know him from, and he's wonderful in that. Uh, I heard, yeah, sorry, Godzilla, but I did not like that film, and that character was rubbish, and just ruthless and pointless and terrible. So don't get me started. But still, good for Cranston. Um, and in terms of Malcolm in the Middle, a lot of people, when they started watching Walter White, were like, what is the dad for Malcolm? <laughs> and having watched some Malcolm recently for the first time in years, uh, it's amazing. And he, of course, he's excellent in that. Cranston also directed some episodes of the US Office as well and Modern Family. So he was out sort of stretching his legs all the oh, time wow. doing that. And he directed episodes of Malcolm and he directed episodes of Breaking Bad. So, um, so good for Cranston. Yeah, fair play. The infamous Fly episode needs to be mentioned quickly for Breaking Bad in that it's Ryan Johnson, so always divisive no matter what he does. And secondly, um, I didn't like that episode the first time I watched it. I was like, this is the first episode I'm watching. I'm like, this is just filler. Um, but then I, I, the last 20 minutes or 10 minutes, more is said than in any other in, entire seasons, like real Walter and Jesse, it's like so much goodness that comes out and they really get to the heart of a lot in like in some fungus. So it all makes it balanced out and everything. Yeah. And it's very, 
very imaginatively, brilliantly directed. And it might be that episode of Breaking Bad where it started really using like tiny cameras on objects. Like, and I don't know if that was Ryan who he did that and then they stuck with it, but that's certainly the first time I remember it really going off on one. Maybe there were other cases, but I think that was, yeah. Yeah, very, very cool. And I like it a lot. It became part of the style. Yeah. I, yes. I hear you, Sheppy. I was dreading it on the second watch of that episode because oh, it's going to be exhausting. Um, but, mm-hmm. but you're right. And and it's a slap bang in the middle of when the show is at its most iconic and the boys are yeah. cooking in their lab. And yeah. Yeah. Amazing. It's very, very good. Um, yes. Hooray. There will be other things um, that I've definitely not said. You know what? I've touched upon this, but I should really mention it in this actual episode. Breaking Bad, the first season, the first episode, like you say, he cooks and all goes wrong. And then the rest of the season is him dealing with the consequences of that one time he tried to cook and then sort of gets back into it towards the end. The first season is such a slow burn. And the whole thing, they always said, and Gilligan always said he wanted the show to be Mr. Rogers becoming Scarface, essentially. Um, and that's what it is. But watching it, it, once you start thinking in terms of supervillains, and I don't mean crazy, crazy supervillains, but I do mean Lex Luthor, essentially. And he's even referred to as Lex Luthor at some point. Um, but, and it's Walter White, of course, so the alliteration for super people, you know, Lex Luthor, for God's sake. Um, and so that I can't imagine is a coincidence. And also, it's true, him and Gus are supervillains. And the whole double show, you could say, is all about the rise of one supervillain who exists just to end the reign of another supervillain. And, um, and that's what happens with Walter and Gus. And there are no superheroes in this world. The superheroes are Hank or uh, Walt Jr., um, you know, it's like real people just trying to survive and do the right thing. Um, there aren't any equals to the supervillains in this hierarchy. So that that's very special to me. And if you did watch Better Call Soul and you've never seen anything else, and then at the right time you start to watch and seed in Breaking Bad, let's say season four of Better Call Soul, you start weaving in Breaking Bad. And you're like, this is obviously set in the same universe, but what does this teacher who has cancer, what's he got to do with Gus or Mike or, or Jimmy? What, you know, what, what, what am I watching? But okay, fine. But then it, as you're watching it concurrently, you start, it starts weaving in and you start seeing water rising and turning into Heisenberg. And that's huge. And then by the time you realize, oh, when they introduce this teacher, this was the beginning of the end of Gus Fring, and that's what Walter's there for. Um, so that's one little interesting <laughs> way to see the show, which is how I sort of see it now when I've watched it like that, and I, I like that quite a bit. And about Heisenberg, he's he's born twice. It becomes very, very Jekyll and Hyde, actually, uh, between Heisenberg and Walter. Very, there's a very clear line where he closes his eyes as Walter and he opens them as Heisenberg, and it happens a few times um, after Jane dies. He's sobbing almost as Walter, and then he stops sobbing and he opens his eyes as Heisenberg and it's into the episode. It's little things like that, and it does flip between them um, often. And there is a, a division, um, 
And I like that clear line between characters, but also in terms of Heisenberg, you could say he's born twice and there's even a final screen. In the episode, I guess it's towards the end of season one, with Tuco and Walter goes into the into Tuco's place and he drops the bomb thing and you know, the chemical reaction, it blows up and he takes the money or whatever and he goes back and he's got, and he sits in his car and he punches the, the dashboard and he screams and you, that's the adrenaline and all of that and the success, but it's also the, the birth of Heisenberg, I'm going to say. He's just shaved his head. It is. That's the primal screen of Heisenberg. And then a little bit later, he's um, Walter and everyone, everyone, his family and Hank and everything uh, in the doctor's place, the clinic, and they tell him your cancer's in remission. It's 80% in remission. It's amazing. And everyone is overjoyed. And then Walter goes to the bathroom. And, you know, it's a, and Hank says, just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. <laughs> and that is absolutely the eye of the duck. And Walter goes into the bathroom and he smacks the shit out of the hand dryer and he does another final scream. And it's the second birth of Heisenberg. And that's my other theory, um, that he was born through fire. And you might even argue that Walter, his cancer wouldn't have gone into remission if he had stayed Walter, but it was Heisenberg who beat the cancer. I think yeah. that could, that's, that's good, solid. So there you go. That's my other little point. I love it, Pete. And I think it's like, there's so much duality in the whole show, right? They're always doing that. And the fact that that happens twice, I don't think is a coincidence. These guys know mm -hmm. exactly what they're doing, don't they? Uh, yeah. It's really lovely. Yeah. They do a callback to it in the final scene as well, that, you know, just he sees the dryer again, it's still oh, there to it's really nice but I, I just but I had two other things I wanted to say which was one was just just that quality of writing like they are always one step ahead of us and I've always appreciated it through all of the um you know the little cheeky uh sting operations between Kim and Jimmy or, or everything and then there's a, an absolutely extraordinary scene I don't I mean you'll remember it because you remember the show pretty well it's pretty it, it, it's kind of in your brain, isn't it, Breaking? But it's hard to forget it. But this is a scene with between Walt and Jesse that I'd forgotten about. Where, um, and it's just, it's not actually very clever or anything particularly, but it's just where Walter is talking to Jesse and it comes down to the fact that Jesse is probably the final loose thread for Walter and it's him, Jesse, and Saul in the desert. And, um, and Walter's talking to Jesse about, hey, you should really uh, get yourself off to Robert Forster and you should get yourself, you know, maybe this could be a new start for you, yada, yada, yada. And Jesse, like, just, Spin stops it. Says, "Will you stop playing me just for one minute?" You know, and then kind of calls him out on all of his manipulation and everything. And the way they handle that scene is so cool. And as ridiculous as it is, they're standing in the desert. Of course, it's that. But I had a slight rug pull for me. I was like, "Of course, of course, he's just manipulating him. Of course, that's it. It's either this or dead." You know. So it's really, it's really quite something. The whole show. I love it. Everything about it. I, I, and I have a question for you, Sheppy, which is probably an unfair one. But um, if if you were to sog it up and say, right, what, what could be the third spin-off from a from this particular I, set of characters? I, I well, I can tell you right now, I would watch Mike the early years as a cop in Chicago become oh, corrupt. That's a cool, yeah, yeah nice. <laughs> no. um, I love the time travel thread in that last step. By the way, I loved how they did that with Mike and Saul, and it was really nice. Um, me, I think, I'm I'm into the Wexler files. I've watched, I've watched Kim nice. and 
with her sort of uh, pro bono lawyering. I'd, I'd watch her. No. Yeah, I'd like to see what happens to her next. I'd like her. She was a great yeah. character. They set that up so well as well in the previous season, the penultimate season, because you know she's not the soul, obviously. And so it's like, are they going to break up? And you think they're going to break up. And then she says, we should get married. And then you're convinced that um, Salamanca is going to kill her when you know, he comes in, not when she gets sent off to, to kill Gus, but in the previous season, uh, you're convinced that she's going to die. Like, I thought they were going to get divorced, but now they're going to, no, I thought they were going to break up, but then they got married. Uh, so now she's definitely going to die. And, and Gilligan is so good at that tension in Ratchet. Um, and then they don't give her, I'm so glad. Yeah, me too. Me too. Yeah. 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 That's, what was the <laughs> second thing you were going to mention? Uh, you said two uh, oh, was that to be honest? That was it. It was just the fact I just love the writing. I just think the writing is just absolutely superb. How they're one step ahead, and then just what was this, what would be your third spin off? Nice. Yes, there like, you go. Lalo is an amazing character. I haven't really touched on him, but yeah, he's so amazing. much fun, isn't he? He's he's a superhero. Yeah. Oh, and actually, like, super, villain. super villain. Sorry, yeah, but just um, one thing as well when you say about superhero. I, I did occur to me, like, I really love Hank as a character. Yeah. And in watching Breaking Bad as well, like, he is, his briefings of the troops yeah. are, are A, hilarious with all of their, you know, inappropriate little asides, but also B, just, he's so, he's the sm- he's one of the smartest guys. You know what I mean? He's one yeah. of the smartest guys. And, um, and if you, you could view it through his prism as well, like he's always pretty much on top of what's happening in in the area. He's all his hunches are always right, and um and then he's just kind of like, it's actually a very tragic hero's story if you just did the Hank story, and like you know and and they call it out and so you know the heroes are buried in the desert you know but um but but I feel like the um it's really uh he, he's and by the way his his death is still a gut punch on second watch mm. you know it's really brilliantly done and um yeah i just i just think he, he himself is almost otherworldly in how good he is at his job do you know what i mean yes um, yes he's he's great um brilliantly played of course as well by dean and all of that um you could do the entire breaking bad show 100 percent from hank's point of view to the point where you have like a broad church type twist towards like the end of like season four <laughs> of the Hank show, where it's like Walter, who's there, was like, guess what? Heisenberg was Walter all along. And that would like blow everyone's fucking minds. Like it's season five of the Hank show. Uh, and they're like, that would be huge. And we've seen Walter and we're aware of it all. And we're aware of the, the cancer and all of that. But very very much in the background i love and the idea of that show Sheppy. love it <laughs> i'm sorry i've been going on mute just the little man is bloody anxious and he to pee and i haven't taken him with you yet so he's outside buddy well we can begin oh. to wrap things up i reckon at that point what do you think yeah man that's nice i'm happy i think i've said everything i wanted to say there's going to be stuff that i've forgotten to mention of course i mean howard howard hamlin um, had such a, a bad, unfair, uncalled for end, you know, like the whole, you know, unraveling him and just like picking him apart for no real reason um, and just destroying him. And then 
he gets shot in the head, and then there's an even more brutal, you know, his head cracks off that table. Oh, oh fuck, old Helen then he gets buried uh, underneath, you know, it's like, oh, well, yeah, he really, really didn't deserve it. It's, it's so good. And oh. it, to the point where I'm watching the penultimate first half of the, the first half of the last season, and that Kim and Jimmy are destroying Howard. And I was like, have I missed something? Why are they doing this? And I just took, took it for granted for episodes and episodes and episodes. And then I was like, why, why are they doing this? Have I forgotten? Did I miss it? But it's, as far as I'm aware, it's just because they don't like him. He is a bit of a prick, but he hasn't done anything to deserve the absolute destruction that is rained down upon him. So it's like, what a, what a tragic character. And you see him in his home life and it, you're like, oh, and you're, it, you're it, what's another genius thing about the show is you're so culpable. Um, you're brought in. You don't like him. You're enjoying, it's like a David uh, Blaine or type thing. You, you, he's totally ripped apart and you're enjoying seeing him getting fucked up, folding balls on his cards and stuff until you're like, wait a minute, stop. No, too okay. much. Stop, stop. And then bang in the head, pow off the table, bury underneath the chicken man. Like gutted, uh, so yeah. Because even this season, Sheppy had that whole sting operation where they steal his car, get yeah. a prostitute in front of the other fella, and like you know, it's yeah. just, that was so well executed. And you are team Jim and Kimmy in that moment, yeah. willing to get away yeah. with the, the whole thing. And like, you're so culpable. Then, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so there you go. So I love all of that, and of course, we didn't even mention Chuck and Michael McKean, and oh, that yeah. was an amazing character, and. What happened between him and Jimmy, and how Jimmy got him bested in court and tricked him um, was genius as well. So just needed to shout that out because it's just like one of many many things that should be mentioned because it's brilliant. So great show, I think we've we've established a fantastic <laughs> double show, excellent people, brilliant writing, fantastic directing. Um, both of them five out of five television masterpieces. Beautiful Sheppy, beautiful. I don't know how we call the end of this one, this little chat. What can you um, no. say? What, how, how could you? Um, like, I don't know. Ding, 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 ding. That, that's, that's, not, that's not great. I've seen better. <laughs> I've heard better. <laughs> I like Let that. me enjoy my sunset, Walter. Just shut up. We'd love to hear from you, so do feel free to reach out to us at shoulderspod.com and let us know any sequels you'd like us to do. Also, we'd really appreciate it if you could take a moment to leave us a review or a rating on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts from. Very good. Thank you very much. Good to meet you. Yeah. Don't drink and drive, but if you do, call me.